0: There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. This is your first time to the show. Welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Um, I tell you, these uh, interviews keep getting more interesting and further around the planet from where I am. Today from TEDx Bucharest is Andre Dinu. Andre, welcome to the show.
1: Welcome. Uh, Thank you, actually, not welcome. (laughs) Uh, You you see, we're usually supposed to say welcome to to everyone at at our events. Thank you. Thank you for having me here, Mark. It's a great pleasure to be and it's great to be interviewed. I think it's a very, very good idea.
0: And then, and we had met uh, at the TEDx summit in Banff last year. We were, um, it was fun. We were in those those breakout sessions. There were twelve rooms of like thirty people. There were so many of us there, and uh, you know, I don't know if you knew this, but um, as we went around the room and were introducing ourselves, I'm from Central California in Santa Barbara. And two other people in that room were within one hour drive of me, and I did not know they were doing a TEDx.
1: I think, I think it's a great opportunity at these kind of events, at the summit or at other TEDx uh, TEDx events, to see people, how close they are to you and how much similar you are doing things and still not know about them. So, yeah. It figures, it figures. (laughs) I I learned at that summit that, uh, there were other Romanians at the event, uh, which I had no idea about. And, uh, I talked to them at the summit and we didn't know each other at all.
0: We just met there. I, I, you know, that's one of the great things about Ted and TEDx is the way it, it brings us together as a community. I'm curious, what was your, what was your first taste of Ted?
1: My first taste of TED came from my uh, then girlfriend, now wife. Uh, she showed me a video of uh, Hans Rosling's. Oh. Uh, I think it was one of the one of the first ones, if not the first one, when he was talking about uh, bridging uh, bridging the economy and social demographics and right, right. those whole presentations, interactive uh, presentations. And that was the absolutely first video I saw from Ted and I got hooked immediately. Uh, I was living in a dorm, uh, in a college dorm. I was, I think, in my second year of university or third year of university. And it was about uh, 2007. I saw that. And because uh, access to internet was not that good Mm. uh, and was not that stable back then, for us at least, uh, I then went on the website and I downloaded, I think, uh, four to six gigabytes uh, of (laughs) TED Talks. Because you... the option still stands. You can still download them, but none of us actually do because we watch it online. Now we have the app and I downloaded it and uh, I put them in uh, on DVDs so that when I went back home or I traveled, I had my DVDs with, with me. I still have them actually. Uh, And I was listening to, uh, to Ted talks. That was when I was hooked with the TED.
0: on that particular talk. Um, go back and look at it again and look in the audience shots and, uh, you will find me probably in the seventh row in the center. That's, which is where, when we were in Monterey, my wife and I love to sit there and it's great. People will send me screen grabs of them watching a Ted talk and they'll see, and they'll have it, uh, me circled or us circled or something. It's hilarious. So <laughs> Hans, it was, it was so sad to lose him this past year. Yes. definitely. Um, you know that's uh but he left a great legacy in his talks um how was it though that you decided who was it that um convinced you to do a TEDx I, i'm i'm really interested in that especially with our our listener who may be considering doing a TEDx or they're just wondering because uh, and i've heard so many different stories so i can't wait to hear yours well I think that
1: uh, Ted found me and I found Ted for huh. a reason. I was, uh, I was passionate about organizing events. This is what I'm actually doing right now. I have my own event agency. Huh. Uh, but I was passionate about this uh, since my first year of university. I started working in, uh, in the field. And I think the, the, the highest level of event production and event curation and event look and feel for, for me at that moment, and still is, was TED, right? So Mm -hmm. I was dreaming of being at the TED event. I was dreaming about seeing the main TED event right then and there, and not only being in the audience and listening to the speeches, but looking behind the scenes, Mm -hmm, seeing mm -hmm, how people mm -hmm. are producing, seeing how people are doing it. So that was my, um, let's, let's say dream, right? And in 2008, I was um, I was supporting my bachelor's degree. And because I was already doing events and I really liked it, uh, I chose to do my bachelor's degree on how it would be to organize a TED in Romania. Because at that moment, we had no TEDx events. It was 2008. They only launched it in 2009. Right. We absolutely had nothing like that but we had ted had uh, produced in i think in 2008 ted india and i Th- and yes. i thought hey That's right. if they did ted india why not ted romania right of course. let's bring something something new to, to romania and the climate in in romania back then is, it was uh, something like we needed inspiration we needed to mm. to go somewhere beyond we were uh, what we were doing and I wrote my bachelor's degree on how it would be like to organize a TED in Romania, the implications it would have, what I would do, how I would uh, organize it, what benefits would, would it bring to the community, what benefits would it bring to, uh, to the city, and so so and so, right? And uh, I remember contacting TED via a contact form on the website. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get any reply, I think I tried two times. I didn't get any reply uh, from from them. And then I said, "Hey, you know what? I think I can I can do this myself. I can imagine myself." And I wrote the whole thing. In I think in the after after I finished it, after I uh, I sent my uh, sent and supported my my dissertation. Um, I think in 2009, in the spring, they announced the, uh, the licenses.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I, I think I wasn't uh, aware or I didn't get a notification when they did. So I learned about it in probably two, three months after it. And right then and there, I went on the website and I decided to apply for a license. However, the license was already taken for Bucharest. Uh and uh, the website was already up and running. And I was abs- absolutely sad.
0: Oh I you bet. cannot imagine how oh, how
1: sad I was because someone took it uh took my opportunity away. So I went on the website and the lucky thing is that um, uh, there wasn't any information uh, on the website, just that it will be happening. But I went on the website and in the footer, there was something like designed by a specific name. The funny thing is
0: that I knew the, the respective, uh, the <laughs> you, respective person, how many people live in yes. your city? How many million people in your uh, city?
1: 2 million and okay. 500, okay. something like okay. that. Okay.
0: So what are the odds and, of that? Right. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So I contacted then. Uh, I contacted him. Uh, then and there, I uh, I found him, and we met for uh, for I think for a beer one or two days after, and I learned that actually the the license was given to two other girls I knew because we were all part of the same NGO, uh... and so. We actually knew each other. We were working with each other in different projects in that specific NGO, uh, but we actually didn't know who was doing what. So I contacted him, I met them, and we then formed the the core group of the organizing team. So that was four of you? So that was my... Two guys and two girls. Uh, I I think... I think we were six or seven at that point.
0: And how many of you were still working together?
1: Two of us, myself uh-huh. and, and one of my, uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Sebi who is doing
0: the technical production. Boy, that's, that's a key role, isn't it? I tell you that the technical part of it now, um, you had said earlier that you really, you have an event business now, you love doing events, um, I've been doing events my whole life it feels like in one way or another and I enjoy that part of it uh as well quite quite a lot actually Wh- what is it of that particular skill set do you think um has helped you the most in doing the TEDx
1: from the event organizing skill set yeah.
0: yeah yeah the thing that you I mean you you Hold it I mean you wrote a dissertation on doing a act, so I'm going to guess you were you were an expert early on and you hadn't even done one yet so what did you identify there is is going to be the thing that was going to make you successful
1: I think I think getting out of the box actually because if I'm looking at the TEDx events uh, we are now doing, and we have been doing it them for some time now, since 2009, I think that getting out of the box and uh, putting things into a different perspective and going and approaching uh, the audience in a more, I would say friendly way and not business oriented, I think Mm. that this leads to to a great event. And I learned that while doing TEDx. And I was able to bring into uh, organizing TEDx my hard skills in negotiating with suppliers, in knowing what needs there are for a specific event and how you need to put things in the right order to have the event uh, work correctly. and basically having the, the skills to execute the event and not only have it curated because I've seen a lot of great events which lack the inspiration side of TEDx mm, on one mm, hand, mm. and I've seen a lot of great, uh, great people putting together great content content, but uh, delivering it in a substandard level. And I think the right mix between these can actually lead to a good event.
0: Have you um, taken advantage of all of the TEDx's that are within probably two or three hour drive of you? Have you seen lots of other TEDx's now since then?
1: I've seen a a couple of them. I haven't seen a lot of them because what usually happened or happens is that... uh, we don't synchronize very well it for example there's a tedx event right now in may which i will not be able to attend because i'm out of the country there have been others which i couldn't reach but i have seen a couple of them and i think the community in romania is growing and there are more and more tedx events and we are trying to help each other by promoting our events by um, promoting different speakers from one uh, from one event to another or different partners or the audience. The community is getting bigger in Romania. Um, I haven't been to a lot of them, sincerely speaking, uh, but this is something which I plan on doing.
0: How how many people come to your event now? Well, what did you start with? What was your first one and, and where are you at now? Well,
1: the first one was, of course, 100. Right. Then the second year... Then the second year, we grew to 700, 700 and, I don't know, 750 maybe. Uh, then we reached the peak uh, in 2012 of about 100, 1,100. And then we uh, we had a decline, a willing decline in the audience. We wanted to to have it more cozy
0: Yeah, sure.
1: And now because the um, because the audience is requesting it and because we are uh being sold out for for the event with i don't know 2 weeks or 3 weeks before the event and still have people on the waiting list we decided to make it a bit bigger we had 900 last year and probably this year we will be pushing to 1200 maybe a bit more we'll see so it's I'm... not it's not set yet
0: so I mean, this is a question, you know, we're, we're grappling with as well. And, and as I talked to other organizers, you know, who, who sell out in an hour or sell out in a day, you know, that's, that's actually common now that there is this trade-off we feel like we're making between intimacy and coziness, as you said, uh, and, and the event. I mean, y- you want people to enjoy a live TEDx event. There's such a difference between the live event and watching videos. Yet, um, creating that environment, um, that it's challenging. It's something we're all working on. You know, uh, KL there at 4,700 people. Um, the Amazon, I think I heard 10,000, but I've got to see if that's true or not. I want to talk to the Rio de la Plata guys. So what is it? Yeah. Yeah. It was 10,000. Rio 000, de la Plata right? had one.
1: 10,000 and something. Yeah. Yeah. It
0: was Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that there's a trade-off there. And, and I know we all as organizers are constantly thinking of ways to improve the user experience and, and curating the whole day experience. So we're all constantly working on that. What is it that, um, that you and your team do that you feel makes your specific TEDx unique?
1: Well, at this moment, I think uh, where we excel is in the way we create the program uh, for the audience, in the way we select the speakers, we curate the speakers to be relevant to the theme and relevant to the community, and not only bring a couple of names and just put some names, one attached to the other. This is, this is I think, one thing we are doing, uh, doing right. And I think the other is that um, we set ourselves apart from other TEDx or other events on the market with the experience we provide for the audience in the in the breakout mm. places, in the lobby, in the uh, in the fire, because we are trying to engage them to interact. We are trying to uh, um, make them experiment different things. With our partners or with different NGOs or different things we are doing, and these things uh, happen because we are interested in what they experience at the event. If we were to be just an just another conference where you get to see people on stage and off stage, and that's about it, then I think that we wouldn't be making the right uh, the right thing. So I think it's a mix between the program, the scheduling, and uh, the content managing and also the activations we are doing in the breaks.
0: I I, I so agree, and uh, ex, I'm excited to hear the focus of that. In fact, I've, I've talked to one Ted. It was Wellington who has a, a director of user experience. I mean, her whole job is just thinking about what the experience is, and, and I think that's not uncommon. Um, I noticed that you're going to be doing uh, – Bucharest live you're going to be live streaming Vancouver this year but you're doing something I've not seen before and I would like you to talk about it which is the open mic where from what I understand at the live event you're inviting people to do a three-minute talk and the winners of the those that competition, if you will, um, will be invited to your main event in the fall. Tell me, tell me what, how that idea came about.
1: Well, we wanted to do the, we wanted to do the dead life event on one hand, because, uh, it absolutely makes sense to, sure. to provide our community sure. with that content uh, we are also partnering with the with the cinema with the local cinema, which uh, delivers the TED cinema experience. So yep. basically, we are helping our audience reach four days of TED speeches, one way or another. And then we wanted to have some uh, some local content. However, we felt that we don't have the time and ability to uh, to get uh, regular, let's say, regular content right, to get. Right, right. Uh, especially set speeches with uh, sure. 18 minutes and the whole deal. And we had a lot of, during these last years, I think that uh, we had a lot of people asking and reaching out to us about uh, becoming a TED speaker, a mm-hmm. TEDx mm-hmm. speaker, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we always get the same same questions. We always get a lot of people being interested, either not following Following up, either following following up with um, with a bit of info here, a bit of info there, and we then have to meet them, and we then and we love doing that. However, we didn't have a specific application form until now, and we thought of, about having this open mic uh, as a let's say selection way. Uh, we are we are guaranteeing that. the top three winners of this challenge will get in a discussion with us in a further discussion uh, and maybe skip a few steps from the regular uh, selection process and get in touch with us and we then get to, to talk to them about becoming a Bucharest speaker. So it's actually an answer to a need from our community to be uh, better involved. And mm-hmm. we are now mm-hmm. reaching out to them if you have ideas, bring them on. We are here to listen, and we we will give you the opportunity of being on stage and delivering a three-minute speech um, to tell us what you think, what is your idea, how you can uh, how you can put it into to the right angle and convince us that your idea needs to be on the stage. And we are really hoping that uh, we will get a lot of. Uh, Subscriptions to this, we are managing the process. We have uh, submissions going on, right. and then we validate those those submissions in order to to be sure that they are aligned with what we want to to communicate and how we want to be perceived. Right, and that those ideas are actually worth uh, the time and uh, the
0: energy to be put on stage. Even even if it's only three minutes, how how many people have exactly. uh, how many people have indicated they'd like to get on your stage.
1: Well, until now, I think we have about uh, fifteen to twenty submissions. I love it, and and a lot more people who are interested in uh, in applying. They asked the and they asked us a couple of questions either via email, either via Facebook, but they didn't yet uh, submit their idea. and And the way of submission is really simple. They just need to get give us some details uh in a, let's say a, one tweet 140 characters they need to give us a link to something they are now doing and of course we we ask them for a 60 seconds video which can be filmed with the telephone uh, with your mobile sure, phone we sure. don't need the quality of high-end production we just need to see that person talk actually and we have now my yeah i think more than 15 submissions if not 20 and we are looking in a couple of days for uh, probably double this number. If you're an and, uh, if you're
0: an organizer out there and you're listening right now and you have done this because I, I remember New York did this, they did the open call. Uh, you got to do five minutes on a stage. But if any, but I've not heard it at TEDx, and it's just because there were 3,300 of them and I didn't talk to everybody last year. Uh, but if you have done this, would you drop us a note to open Mike O P E N M I C at hacking the or leave us a comment, please. Um, I'd, I'd like, th- I want to do this for Santa Barbara. Um, we have found that we get flooded with people that want to be on the stage and Uh, the quality is spotty. And I think the motivation for why they want to get on the stage is suspect. And I think that this um, having a more uh, established process uh, is more democratic as well. And it's also, I I love the idea of the whole audience uh, rather than just a few of us um, uh, doing that. So fantastic. I want to move to Uh, the part of the show i love which is about superpowers and i i think i've captured your superpowers but i i you know i think of of tedx organizers as heroes in the community and you know all of the work that you do for free and you know on behalf of all the citizens of bucharest thank you very much um but i would i'm gonna give you some words and you tell me which ones you think and i you kind of addressed this earlier Um, organizing, collaborating, producing, marketing, curating, and partnering. What would you think you're the best at?
1: So organizing, collaborating, producing, curating, partnering, and marketing. Marketing. So if I'm to talk about myself personally, I think mine would be partnering, Oh, nice. This is something which I regularly do, and uh, it's something that I love to do—to uh, to put the right people in the right context and uh, help us out one way or another. And I think another, if I get to choose, to choose to, would be curating, because I usually find myself into various. I don't know, ways or parts of the internet not known to a lot of other people. And I get to find a lot of interesting and a lot of newsworthy content. And I think most of the times uh, I'm right about something which will pop out and be mainstream one way or another.
0: So... um... I, I I love that uh, actively looking that archaeologist out there. You're an idea hunter, um, for you know you've got a good nose for for news. I I want to though talk about the partnering because I haven't had this conversation as much as I would like. When okay, so so that is partnering uh to to raise your sponsor dollars and you know that's a challenge especially at a 1200 person show you know you you've got your venue you've got your food and beverage you've got all of your technical audiovisual that your your uh, co-organizer helps you with what what have you found would be the three things that are most important in that partner pitch it it, it might be how you let's do this how you find partners because as you know since 2009 you you know partners get fatigued they get tired you know they don't do it every year so you have to go find new partners what let's let's stay on that how do you go about finding new partners i think the most important side of
1: it is recognizing an opportunity and recognizing uh, who you can approach that fits what you are doing. We are not into creating uh, very commercial partnerships, and we are not into creating partnerships uh, in one-hit one, one hit wonders partnerships. We have been keeping our, the partners we attract uh, for several years. Oh, great! oldest partner we have is I think five years now with us uh, and then four years, three years, two years. So whenever we bring in a partner, we try to, to keep him in the, in the loop for the event as much as possible. We even went to the extent where we kept the, the, a part of the benefits of a specific partner of two actually specific partners, which were long time partners in years when they didn't support the event at all. So we just gave them the, a bit of promotion, a bit of uh, image rights and a bit of, uh, and a couple of uh, invites for the event just because we wanted to keep the relationship then there instead of just saying, Hey, you know what? You, you're not giving us anything. So, we're not going to give you anything. So this is this is the kind of relationship we are trying to right. uh, to build.
0: Right. And it helped
1: us a lot. And I think we, directly regarding your question, I think it's a mix of uh, seeing the right opportunities. Maybe when a company is launching, maybe when a company is uh, hiring a lot of other people, maybe when a company uh, wants to position themselves as innovators or mm-hmm. as support different kind of events or a different kind of approach to their specific market. And you need to be informed about these decisions or these opportunities happening in the market so you can then link to them really quick on one hand. And on the other hand, I think it's a non-stop activity where you meet a lot of people, you make a lot of connections and uh, you set the right image for your event and uh, what you're trying to achieve with your community. And with these together, then opportunities sort of roll in uh, seamlessly. We are not doing cold calling, for example. We are not approaching every company in that specific sector just because we need a partner in that specific sector. We are trying to uh, to go to, to different uh partners or potential partners, because they were recommended, because uh, we got introduced by someone and because it's a good fit with what we are doing. And we said no to, to partners as well. And I think that's at some point you have to also know when and how to say a uh, direct no or, well, specific, uh, in a specific occasion, just to man- maintain your uh, integrity
0: that right there, that is just a a great lesson. In fact, I'm going to use that as the advice for the um, first timers, which is know when to say no um, to protect your integrity. And that is such a, uh, it's very interesting. And as we know, there are um, guidelines for us in terms of what sponsors can and can't do. And uh, I like to make sure that they're very clear on that because they want to, you know, they want to get up and welcome everybody or they want to have their chief scientist give a talk or they want to do things like that. And yeah. And again, it's yeah, the, exactly. um, as I said earlier with speakers, you know, you want to check the motivation, uh, for them and why, Absolutely. why are they doing that? What, you know, since you've been doing this now for, for many years, what, what's been the biggest surprise for you?
1: Overall in the the entire TEDx? Any
0: way you want to answer that.
1: I think the biggest surprise is how things actually work out for you when you don't give them any any chance to. We've been in so many situations where we didn't see the end line and we didn't think we're going to make it through
0: Hmm. on Hmm. a specific
1: task or on a specific event and we've been in this position so many times uh <laughs> not knowing how we're going to pull it off right right and every every time absolutely every time things are working in the right direction uh somehow in spite of everything which is happening and i'm not talking about providential intervention and it just happens it just happens that uh, doing the right thing gets rewarded in the in the right way. We've been in positions where I don't know four days before the event uh, with a room of 750 people, we did we had 200 uh, seats occupied, and that was it. So 500 to go in four days, wow. and eventually we wow. came through. Yeah. So I think that was one of the make-or-break events. When uh, with four days before the event, we we had to take a decision. Okay, what are we going to do? Are we uh, closing it and announcing that because financially it was uh, it was not well for us at all, or we're just gonna try and push for the rest of the four days and solve it somehow? And we decided to to go full speed ahead, and we had a. Uh, we had a full room eventually, of course, with a lot of sleepless hours, but still, and with technical problems which may arise or with speakers cancelling or speakers who are not fit or for the for the task, we had so many so many things that I'm lucky to be working with the team I'm working, and I really want to thank them for all their effort and all they are doing. Because normal people would give up. Just say, hey, you know what? It's, <laughs> it's not gonna work. Let's just stop there. You know? But oh, somehow I... <laughs> I'm surprised that uh that we managed to find solutions to problems which you would not foresee.
0: I um I, I'm always listening when I'm when I'm doing the show, I'm I'm listening for that. That saying that would work great on a t shirt or a tweet or something like that. And, uh, it, it, which is evocative of how I feel the person is doing. I love that normal people would give up, but Tedsters don't. Um, in in, in, in view of, of that, um, and back to my superheroes and my fixation on fantasy, what, what's the biggest dragon that after all these years you continue? to have to face sorry
1: uh, it, it's the dragon
0: a like the dragon the challenge the struggle you know okay. the you know we lord of the rings everything's great there's a big pile mm-hmm. of gold and guess what it's there's a dragon underneath all that gold yes um i think the biggest dragon
1: for me is uh trying to keep up with um Everyone, everyone's wants and needs from the event, and trying to uh, uh, to bring harmony to them, from from what the team needs to what the sponsor needs to what the the speaker want, to what everyone is uh, is trying to get from the event, and I find it, uh, I I see it as a dragon uh, because. Every time you have a great idea about the event, you then have to, to roll it from different, absolutely different perspective and right. ensure right. that your right. your team is behind the idea and, and they get what you want to do and why, uh, to make sure that you have the resources to implement it, to make sure that the audience uh, understands it, and make sure that everyone, all the stakeholders of the event, are aligned with what you want to do even though uh, sometimes you are wrong even though you are right but you need to get everyone aligned to this vision and i think this is a this is a dragon which i always face it's a dragon i love facing because out of these interactions you come up with some ideas or with some executions or with some uh, I don't know examples, good examples, uh, but this is a dragon which we always uh, have in the room with us, and we always look at uh, look at the dragon and see, okay, how are we going to approach this? We have a great idea, great. What will the audience think of it? Well, we have a great idea, great. Does the team have the energy, willingness, uh, resources right, to, to right. put it through? Well. Right. let's see so i think it's uh it's a mix between all these and uh, trying to to put them in the right order and approach them with the right sensibility uh so that we can make it happen
0: yeah i i love that approach it was a great answer to that we um we have a saying in my house that the best idea wins that um you know you fight for your idea but you you know be able to recognize there's a better idea or your idea just wasn't fully thought out and when you have a good open trusting uh environment and team and you're doing everything for the all the right reasons and you're considering to your point you know the partners the audience the speakers that you know everything that you want to do um and you're doing it for the higher good that's uh, that's a dragon that's worth slaying for your next event in the fall, because I know you're going to do a live event, and I'm I'm curious to hear how that goes. Um What are you looking forward to the most? I mean, it, it, the challenge is you you do this so often, yet um, you you need to keep it fresh. So, what's the thing you really going to get excited about?
1: I, for the for the event in the fall, I'm most excited about um, the theme we picked for oh, the what event. What is it? What is it? And uh, the theme is uncommon sense. Ah, uh-huh. I like that. And I'm really excited about all the ideas we are having about speakers and about uh, and about content. On one hand. And on the other hand, I'm excited to uh, to see how we can approach the experience of the participants of the uh, of the community around this entire theme. And last but not least, I'm excited about the change we are doing in the um, in the event production because we are moving into a different venue, a uh, larger uh, venue, which is uh, uh, yeah. which is used for. Yes, and that comes with uh, with the challenges and the opportunities. Of course, because we have a, a lot more space for uh, for the lobby and for um, for what we are doing in the in the break time. Hmm. On hmm. one hand, and on the other hand, we we have a lot more space to set up the entire room of the event, and we are trying to get to that uh, to that TED like experience right. Right. in right. Uh, in the rooms. Creating the uh, creating the setting and creating the seating for uh, for the room because we are doing it in a um, in a sports hall, one of the the biggest sports hall in uh, in Bucharest, and we are going to use uh, the sports hall tribunes on one hand, but on the other hand, the playing ground will become part of our room, and we are trying to to create the TED experience feeling in the audience which is something we couldn't do until now in the other venues we had, which had fixed seating and with, with, which had some some limitations. So I'm absolutely excited about the theme, absolutely excited about the, the interactions we're going to have around the theme in the break time, and also about
0: the event production in itself. I, uh, I would love to see that. I, I love this idea of how you convert a, an empty box into an experience where everything comes together to create a magical day. Uh, every, and every single detail contributes to that being a wonderful experience for the users. Um, if I could get you a magic carpet, magic red carpet, of course, and fly you anywhere in the world, uh, what TEDx would you like to go visit? sydney oh, yes sydney it's, there's a long it's a, it's line a, that wants to go to sydney i'm gonna <laughs> i huh. know
1: i know it's it's a no-brainer for me i've been uh i've been a fan of tedx sydney for a long time now i had uh, the opportunity to to meet and talk to remo yeah, at that sure, summit probably sure, sure. you had you had to of course and uh and I'm absolutely amazed by uh, by what they are doing and how they are organizing the event. So that's a that's a top priority for me. I would go to Sydney, and I was just looking at the They announced their speakers for this year. Yes, they did. So I'm absolutely excited about what they are doing
0: there. Let me tell you a story. The um, so my uh, marketing crew is between Sydney has a business in Sydney and in Santa Barbara. It's a fantastic Mm -hmm. business. And so some of the people that are on the Sydney team that uh, work with us also do social media for TEDx Sydney. So we have a kind of an insider view of what's happening there and lucky you. Oh, Oh my gosh. I tell you. And the thing that really excited me, I'm a, a chef in my former life, and so the, the food, that what I call the tastes of Ted, uh, mm-hmm. is very important to me. And what they did two years ago was in the survey afterwards, they asked all the attendees, what was that food, that favorite home-cooked meal, the thing that was uh, a tradition in their home that was made them feel like home, comfortable, right, comfort food. Mm -hmm. The next year, which was two years ago, they went and brought in all the catering was done and cooked all of those foods. Wow. (laughs) Talk about an experience, right? Right. Oh my gosh! I just it, how they pulled that. I mean, it's uh, I. I'm going to uh, tell Remo that he needs to set a whole section aside for the TEDx organizers who have answered this question on this show as going to TEDx Sydney. Now that I want (laughs) to, our conversation is, is um, we've gone over time. Listener, thank you so much for staying to the end. Um, I don't like to, as much as I try to keep these at 30 minutes when they're going good, I just let it go. And I I appreciate you rolling with me on it. The show's called. So do I. Oh yeah. Great. And you listener, you need to know this, that Andre uh, in preparation for the call, didn't listen to all the shows. So he's coming to us fresh. This is all new for him. The The show's called Hacking the Red Circle because my um, my approach is uh, to TEDx, and I, I've been doing them myself since 2010, been a TEDster for 20 years, is how do I get that million-dollar look? I mean, the stage in Long Beach was spectacular. The stage that they're building right now, I'm, I'm watching all the setups. It's spectacular. I don't have that budget. You don't have that budget. Yet yeah, we want to create that <laughs> feel. So there's a hack... Yes. That we, we have to hack this to, you know, be able to work within the guidelines and work within our budgetary constraints and work within the available speakers we have, work within all of that. Yet we still produce something, uh, Phil Klein said that the TEDx is the best day in the life, in the whole year in the life of the people that attend, right? It's like the best thing. So what's your hack? Absolutely my hack i would say
1: um my team's hack is bringing to the community to the uh, to the tedx bucharest community bringing them content great content which otherwise would not be available to them and i think that we are using each and every connection we have, I think we're using our network as far as we can use it. We are going above and beyond to uh, to get in contact with some, some speakers who otherwise wouldn't be reachable, let's say, at, le- at least not for a TEDx event. And I think that the power of our network in uh, using it for, for our TEDx Eucharist event is what is the best hack we can uh, we can have we are uh, putting together our connections and our network to uh, to bring in people as speakers or to bring in partners uh, suppliers logistics suppliers uh, which otherwise would cost us a lot of course and would not work for uh, for an event in the budget we have but just because we are putting together one of the Coolest, if not the coolest, event um, of this sort in Bucharest or in the country, then they like to be associated associated with uh, uh, with what we are doing. So, I think the hack is promoting and selling our event for what it actually is one of the one of the great opportunities for them to be heard and to be seen. And when talking about these hacks. I think uh, I think this is the best way to go at it with the power of your network because otherwise we cannot compare to uh, to other um, other organizers or other uh, organizations with which have bigger audiences, uh, bigger budgets, or bigger right, reach right. in whatever medium they have. I like and to say there's.
0: I'm, I'm sorry, keep going. Yeah.
1: And I think that if we're talking about smaller hacks about um, Mm, about things which we can all do, I think looking at, uh, at the restraint as an opportunity. And mm. we see this a lot with the partners we have. And as you all know, we have some limitations on uh, what we can do for partners and uh, how they can be uh, thanked for at the event one way or another, or what we can do for the audience. And we usually turn turn now to, uh, to have good ideas and good solutions to things which are otherwise restraints. for example when you're talking about a 900 or 1000 people event if you're talking about the i don't know welcome g- gifts or uh, goodie bags swag bags sure uh anything anything you put in them adds to a cost which multiplied by a thousand is huge right <sighs> yeah, so yeah, if you yeah. put one uh a pen, which is one one dollar or one one euro, that amounts to a lot of money, and you multiply with whatever you have, and that amounts to a big chunk of your budget. So, when looking at these things, we are looking at uh, solutions which are cost effective for us, or which can provide a different thing. We've been uh, my colleagues, uh, Alex and Miruna, have been doing a lot of things uh, like 3D printing with a partner for the gifts we are doing, which amounts to a lower cost and a great solution. Aesthetically speaking, we made some 3D printed um, phone holders, which were part of our swag bag and they they looked great. They had the Ted color, the the Ted red and uh, the X shape. And they only cost us a fraction of whatever gift you would find on the market. Of course, that amounted to a lot of uh, time being spent on producing them, on sure, testing of them, prototyping. But nothing's that, really free, kind of right? Hacks. Absolutely, absolutely. But that is the kind of hacks we we are pulling off, trying to save money and also uh, have something valuable to to provide to the uh, to the people coming at the event and they usually uh turn out to be solutions which are
0: absolutely great and which people absolutely love it always as as you said it always works out right normal people would give up yes. they'd say no we can't afford it andre i've really enjoyed this conversation and uh i look forward to seeing you at a uh, a summit or a fest or a gathering sometime in the future. Good luck uh, at your open mic auditions and uh listener. As you're listening, one of the things you can do help is to um, go to your team members at your next team meeting, have everybody take out their phone, bring up their podcast app and search for hacking the red circle and get them all to subscribe. That's my hack which is you just grab your friend's phone and say I'm going to give you a gift I want you to listen to this listen and learn there's so many fascinating conversations and uh Andre again congratulations uh on hanging in there this you've got you know a couple of years it'll be you'll be a 10 year veteran yes yes indeed i think that uh, actually next year will be our 10 year anniversary edition that's right so we are pre- preparing for it I love it. Thank you so much for joining us on Hacking the Red Circle. Thank you a lot for
1: having me here. And it was a pleasure talking to you.
0: Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.